0: Hey y'all, this is Sand Dog for Cypress Hill, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. You know
1: this is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 277. My name is Brando, another edition of a Zoom version. So if you're listening on iHeartRadio, Q104.3.com, you found us through there. You get to watch on our YouTube channel. You get to see my background in my queen's apartment. You may see cats coming in and out. And also I get to, we get to experience our guests in a different way. Send dog. How are you? I, I, I need to, I don't know. I'm not worthy. I feel like I I need to do the, the Wayne's world thing to you. What an honor.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the kind words, sir. I appreciate it. How are you, man?
1: I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, This, like, as I, I guess alluded to, I mean, this is an honor to talk to you. You mean you've been a huge part of my youth and my, my current, you know, uh, my current life. It just went everything, whether it's the pop culture or just music. So this is a lot to cover, uh cover with you. So obviously right before we uh we started recording uh, you noticed in the background, maybe let's we'll just get it out of the way. You know, you recognized the hands on the, the painting that I have if those listening on podcasts. And I mentioned before, believe it or not, I got that on Amazon, this painting of, of Slashes Gibson with his hands around it, and it was like maybe yeah. 40, 50 bucks. It wasn't that expensive. I'm not a, I'm not Howard Stern. I don't make that kind of radio money.
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful piece nonetheless. So.
1: Yeah, it's cool. So one of the, the cool things I get to do on this podcast, I mean, if you can't tell by everything I'm wearing, almost everything I'm wearing, I am wearing a kind of Cypress Hill shirt, which we'll get into Pro- project revolution that tour. You right know? on. The Park, oh, right? That was a
0: great, that was a great tour.
1: Yeah. We'll get into that uh, later if we can. But uh, we, I use a six degrees of GNR bacon, you know, like Kevin Bacon. That, yeah. that, that phrase. So yeah, I've heard of that. It's it's given me an opportunity to interview some amazing people, and you're you're one of them to, uh, to speak with. So I was I'm honored to have you to have you on. Uh, I wish I, I I actually have an old school Oakland Raiders hat, which I I guess I should have worn uh, to match you.
0: Yeah, hey, you know. <laughs> Us original Raider people, we got to wear Raider stuff every day. So <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I, uh, this is what I normally wear when I'm hanging around the house, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So I, you're, you're original. That's why you're OG send dog on Twitter. You're original. And I, I don't, I want to know, I guess, where did you first meet? Cause he's an original too. He's from, you know, uh, West coast LA. So that's the six degrees of, of GNR bacon before we get into your solo stuff and Cypress Hill. You know, how did you, because you performed with Delver Revolver, a lot of different things. So how did that friendship start?
0: With uh, Slash?
1: Yeah, with Slash. How did you meet oh. the Guns N' Roses guys? Like, did that happen when you were already in Cypress Hill? Did you, did you like, how did you, do you remember the first time meeting him, perhaps? Like, I guess yeah. the best way to, you know, my my long-winded uh, segue into everything, it's Cypress Hill, one of those bands for me, and it's because of Slash and people like that, and the rock sound that you have, because I'm not the, the biggest hip-hop guy, but Cypress yeah. Hill has always been one of my bands. So I can thank people like Slash and Duff Matt Sorum for introducing, and I can thank The Simpsons too, which we'll get into as well, if we can, for introducing me to Cypress Hill. So I guess, how did the, you, your, your world cross?
0: Well, the way I met Slash was, uh, I got a call from my manager one day, I believe it was my manager, and uh, they said, hey, would you into into, uh, you know, doing a jam with Slash? I was like, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I? So I went down into the rehearsal room where they were at in North Hollywood and um, it was like uh, everybody was there, Duff McKagan, Matt Sorum, you know, the whole get down, everybody was there and, and I was like, oh, wow, these are the dudes right here, you know? And I watched them play that day and then they called me up on stage to, you know, do a little, you know, uh, rap rock, you know, type of thing. And this was around the same time they were putting together Velvet Revolver, but it was, I had no idea about that, but it was around that same time. And then, uh, you know, I just started uh, started talking to Slash, you know, here and there and, and uh, you know, recognized that we had a lot of different, a lot of similar uh, things in our backgrounds, the way that we grew up and the way, you know, we're both, you know, biracial and all that. And it was like a, you know, like a, like a bro thing, you know what I like mean? We we're from the same year. We are born the same year and all kind of little crazy things like that, you know? So I just started, um, I just started hanging out with them and, you know, texting them here and there and see what was going on. And he would invite me to jams and, and through him, I got to, you know, meet people like, you know, Billy Gibbons and Ozzy Osbourne and, you know, just, just big time hitters, you know what I mean? And that's how that, that friendship began. And then we asked him to, uh, to play at our Cypress Hill smokeout concert that we used to do back in the day. And he was all over it. Like, you know, so I, and I didn't understand the get down of how to, how do I arrange for slash to come to a Cypress Hill show? You know, this was all out of my league. Right. So, you know, I, eventually, I think I got him a limousine and, but there was all other things that I didn't, had no idea about that he put me up on. And he's like, dude, this is how we do it. You know, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he taught me a lot of things and, and I got to jam with a lot of people, you know, behind my friendship with him and, and, you know, meeting his family and, and going to his son's birthday party at, at his house. And, you know, those are all things that were special to me. And uh, he's just like a very, very chill dude, very humble, you know, and not, nothing like you would expect, you know, to, from the guitar God, you know, <laughs> fucking slash, you know, it's, he's just a everyday guy, man, that plays the hell out of the guitar. So all I could it's the only way I can describe them, man, you know?
1: What, what made me think about it, and, and it's the segue to kind of start our conversation, is because this is, I can't believe it's the 30th year since Cypress Hill's debut, right? It's, yeah. It's, I, I can't believe it's been 30 years. And like again, I was, that's in my wheelhouse growing up, middle school, high school. And so it was 1991, and that was the year the Use Your Illusion albums came out. So they were already established. So did you know about Guns N' Roses at that time? Were you at all in the the rock world before you you did the rap rock thing and meeting people like Ozzy was rock on your radar at all? You know what?
0: Not as, not as like trying to perform it. I w I wasn't thinking that way, but I was a fan of, you know, Jimi Hendrix and the beach boys and, mm. and all that great sixties era, you know, rock, you know, uh, uh, all that great sound that came through the seventies kiss I'm still a big kiss fan, you know? And, uh, so rock was always, you know, prevalent in, in my life in some way or another, even if I recognize it or not. And then when we got up to, um, when we got up to it, when it was our turn to get put on, you know, I've always, I've always thought that Cypress Hill would sound really good, you know, behind some rock wrist, you know, and one year, you know, we did it, you know, we went out there and we did a, a record in it and, uh, and it went over well. And, and the, the birth of rock superstar was on that album and we and we took that and we and we made it into a live show and we we showed the world that we're not scared to rock and roll or get down heavy metal you know what i mean and i think we got a lot of respect for that from people that you know would 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 think like you know oh here comes some more you know hip hop dudes try to do you know some rock stuff but we knew we kind of knew what we were doing and we had the right influences and and people in our park in our on our side so you know doing the whole the from going from hip hop to rock for us was natural because we were already hip hop and rock as little kids growing up. And that's, you know, be real and DJ mugs too. They all had, you know, rock influences in their families, um, from, you know, older uncles or aunts or cousins or whatnot, you know, and it just, and it just came through in our music. Naturally. We already, as a hip hop band, we already had kind of like this, uh, I don't know, almost like a punk rock thing, if you will, you know, the way that, the way that we came across to people kind of and um and then we just decided to do more and more and more i hope i didn't stray from far away from your question no no you're, all of
1: it. you're you're helping because I, I know i sometimes have uh roundabout questions but you're giving me a roundabout <laughs> yeah. answer that i i get it you know that's that's the yeah. best way uh and so you guys are with that are trailblazers i guess pun intended you know uh for our future conversations we can have because uh, me growing up being uh, working in radio, uh, growing up on radio, alt rock, well, it was ninety two, three K rock for me growing up, where Howard Stern was, and you would hear, of course, the the garage bands, but all of a sudden you would hear Cypress Hill, and I wasn't listen- I wasn't listening to Hot ninety seven uh, in, in New yeah. York, so it exposed me to an entirely new world. I, I credit absolutely you, I think maybe more so because the Beastie Boys, I love the Beastie Boys. But it was because I'm also Jewish from New York so it was kind of like seeing me do it but I was learning yeah. I was learning a different culture you know from from you and be real in Cypress Hill yeah is that something that you think about maybe in, in the terms of rock radio how maybe you've helped because look if you listen to alt radio now it's like wow it's a complete blend of I mean it doesn't sound like it just sounds like a maybe a mishmash of what you guys started but uh, at the time, there weren't many cypress kind of bands on the radio for me.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we were never scared of, of competing. You know, we always thought we were the best at what we did. And, you know, we, and, and you know, we still feel that way. We still feel we're the best hip hop band, but you know, um, we were never scared of going outside of our realm and experimenting. And I think that's what makes Cypress so special. And I, I think that's part of the reason that we're still here, you know, 30 years later, because we've done it all, you know, and when it comes down to, you know, musical appreciation. We have the ability to, um, look at every track as just music, no matter if we're on some reggae, you know, music beds, or if we're doing heavy metal or rock and roll or hip hop or whatever, it's just, it's music to us that we're trying to get accomplish here. So, you know, to move forward and to keep current and to keep in the competition and stay in the game, you have to change and you have to be willing to adapt and and to try different things or else, you know, you're only going to be around for your generation and the, the, the game, the key to it is to be around for several generations. So to have, you know, grandkids and their, you know, and their, and their grandparents talk about the same band, That's the kind of thing, you know, we were talking about as youngsters on our block, you know, not knowing how to achieve it or anything, but knowing how to go about it, the whole culture thing came in as a, uh, I think it's an added bonus, Um, if you will, because without even noticing, we never noticed, we thought we were just, when we're growing up, we're just three homeboys from Southgate. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not thinking Italian, we're not thinking Cuban-Mexican, we're not thinking Afro-Cuban, we're just looking at each other all the same and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're homeboys from LA, so um, but when the world got a hold of that and they're like, okay, well, you know, the brown man, he's really Cuban and this other dude, he's not this, he's actually Mexican and and then the Italians, so it really tripped everybody out. We wanted to know more about that. And then from, you know, that where we're from comes into play and, and, uh, and the culture there, and what we had to go through to survive and everything, uh, we put all that in the music, you know, on purpose, cause we wanted people to know, we were very proud of where we're from and we wanted people to know, you know, exactly what it is. So, you know, the whole culture thing, you know, helped, I think opened up a lot of doors for us cause we're a biracial band. And most hip hop in most hip hop in those days, it was, a you know, proud of your, be proud of your race. Like we got tribe was all Samoans. Kid Frost was the Mexican rapper. The Beastie Boys was all Jewish hip hop band. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and we weren't like that. We were just, you know, some muds from, from everywhere. And people clung onto that. And our label told us like you guys, um, they wanted us to show our face more because in the early days we used to drop our bucket hats o- yeah. over our eyes. <laughs> and people couldn't tell what we looked like, and the label would have fits with us. Like you guys got to show your faces more, man. Like
1: that you guys are good looking
0: <laughs> cats, man. You guys got to show your grill, man. You know, uh-huh. you know. We had arguments with them. We wanted to be dark and mysterious our whole way through, but well, eventually yeah. they won, and we showed our face, and and they were right. You know, <laughs> they were right. It was you know, it was cool. You know, so you know the whole that whole that whole that whole involvement of our cultures and our races and and whatnot. And still being a a good hip hop band, like a great hip hop band that that could, you know, you know, challenge, but not challenge, but you know, run alongside with the greats like Public Enemy and Run DMC and the Beasties and EPMD. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that right there, free people, because you hadn't had a hip hop band like us yet. At that point, we weren't all black, we weren't all white, we weren't all yellow, we weren't all red. We were just a mix up, and and I think that worked in our advantage.
1: Obviously, I mean look at you know where you are now celebrating 30 years and then it just dawned on me, you know, legalize it 30 years ago and where we are now, it's legal where I am in New York. We don't have uh, we don't have dispensaries yet. Uh, when I we go I, when I go to my my fiance's uh, home, uh, city of Chicago, maybe I visited a, a dispensary or two. I mean but it's like can you think about how far we've come and the message that you had the positivity? of, of hemp and, 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 and with the, the, the medical benefits and how long this, this fight yeah. has taken, you know, and you were just, you know, kind of looked at as a, you know, they're a stoner band. No, you guys had a message, you know, with it. So uh, you must think about that, right?
0: Yeah. You know, the, our whole Cypress Hill message messages, you know, it, it came straight from, you know, high times magazine, you know what I mean? <laughs> Along with what we did on the streets growing up and our violent, you know, former ways, uh, you know, but really the, all that stuff came from like us being addicted to that magazine. And the first day that it came out, you know, we were on it, you know, we were getting that high times and, and we used to, uh, you know, just read, uh, we used to read up on it and and get our knowledge on. And we, that's where we developed the theory that, you know, you know, cannabis is not a drug cannabis is, you know, from the earth, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a plant. And, and we, you know, we took offense to anybody that would call it a drug. And we, that's why we decided to put, you know, 20 facts on our on our second album of, of the 20 cannabis facts, you know. Right. Because we had learned all that stuff in, in you know, in our prior years, you know, reading the high times and whatnot. And we just became students of it all to this day. You know, um, I think that we're still like, a, you know, ahead of the game in, or in certain ways as, as far as like, you know, knowledge of cannabis and you know and and knowledge of the laws of cannabis as well. Right. You know, because it's just, you know, you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can't have one without the other. And I'm a, I'm gonna change locations here as I talk to you because my phone is gonna uncharge pretty soon.
1: Oh no that's but, all right.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Thank you. And um so okay so here we go. So, we learned, we, we learned to, you know, uh, stand true to our beliefs as far as cannabis went.
1: Right on. Oh, I lost them, but I will pause it and get Send Dog back. Are <laughs> you there? Yeah, I am good. All good. I love it. It's it's kind of like rock and roll. You know, things happen. I go along with it. You know, what am I? Uh, the nightly news that things... I mean, the, the news are, are jokes. So just like kind of what we're talking about. You know, me growing up thinking... You know, weed and it's just like a, a drug and bad, and it's the the, the message that's being I mean, hit over the head with. And you know, it's obvious it's not the case. I mean, look at it's not even like I'm uh, saying this ten years ago. I'm saying this whether that our country is is waking up and and people are getting help. It's it's amazing the, the the chronic illness that people have that only can get help through hemp. So I think that's amazing. But I will not pretend uh to say you know that there aren't like the the fun aspects of it so when i saw you so i'm wearing i showed you before i'm wearing this shirt i got to see you guys uh project revolution with lincoln park my freshman year uh nasa coliseum where the islanders won last night i don't know it's well that's that's a whole other story but i saw
0: that that was a great game
1: uh, it's, it's, all I want uh, this year, Sendog, is either an Islanders, uh, Stanley Cup, or a uh, new music from Guns N' Roses. That's that's one of those, oh, right if, on. if not both. <laughs> uh, right on. But it was so awesome because I had never seen Serversal before. And my roommate, he, honestly, uh, a shout out to my roommate, Malcolm, uh, from Hofstra. He and his dad would see you every single Halloween when you're a Halloween show. So he's like, oh yeah. yeah. Like you guys, you're gonna lose it, and I hadn't smoked at all at that time, so I didn't know what to expect. So and, and Be Real just comes out with this giant five foot bong, and everyone's just like enjoying themselves, and it was just a what a positive, positive vibe uh, that show was, and it just gave me a new sense of just like what great music, but what great dudes they are, you know how they treat their audience. So uh, I, I I wanted to make sure I, I told you that story uh thank you brother (laughs) and you know again i just think it's so funny that my roommate malcolm and his dad would see you guys every single halloween uh yeah it was was a halloween or the new year's show i forget that you did it's halloween it is halloween okay halloween
0: Halloween. we've only done one new year's show in new york uh and that was such a circus that we decided to never do that again
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's let's stay with positive stuff. If you can, um, any memories of, of Chester and that tour, you know, it's uh, obviously with the loss and I talk about my sub theme also is mental health. So we talk about it a lot. And you know, I, Mm -hmm. I was was on zoom with my therapist yesterday. So I talk about it. Uh, so what did you have a friendship with him other than that tour? Um, what can you talk about the tour and Chester?
0: Well, that's what, that's when we became friends with Chester and Mike Shinoda and all those guys, you know, we, they invited us on that tour and, you know, Cypress, we're down to do anything with anybody at any time. So, you know, we jumped on it and they had the hot, they had a super hot record at that point. I think that was like their first hit. Yeah. And all I can remember is how courteous those guys were and how polite they were to Cypress Hill. Like they always said, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Like, they always, you know, encourage you like, Hey man, there's really good food at catering, go check it out. And (laughs) you know, it was their tour and you know, it was like uh, the last show, I think it was the last show. They invited all of us on stage uh, for their, for their last song. And they said, you guys could, you know, run whatever you do all over the stage. Just don't run up on that riser where Chester sings out. You know what I mean? That's his domain. So we're cool, whatever. And then after that, you know, we became friends, like, you know, as we, as we see each other every now and then, um, you know, we've done some, we did a couple of some dates overseas. We were on the same festivals and whatnot. And it was, uh, you know, uh, Chester was a, a very, you know, let's not, let's take the obvious, you know, his talent level was, you know, off the chart, you know what I mean? So as far as an entertainer, I, you know, that was like a lightning bolt hit the stage and <laughs> that was Chester, but, you know, um, uh, a fun guy to hang around with and, you know, just always, you know, uh, a lively sort, you know what I mean? He was always a, a friend. If you needed to talk to somebody, call him, he'd answer. And, you know, we, we could talk about it, you know, if you needed to go that route. Um, so he, I think he's, uh, his pers- his personality and his charisma and all that was, you know, just over, was brewing over the, you know, his cup overflow when it came to that, you know? And, you know, his kind will, you know, I believe will never be seen again. You know, the performer of, the, of his level and, you know, capabilities. I don't think so. Um, I agree. But o- overall, yeah, overall, I can remember just how polite and, and nice they were. And they were like, you know, at that point they were like, you know, they were known already, you know. So um, they treated us like the like the veterans that we felt that we should be treated like. Mm. You know what I mean? And I'll never forget that because they just went over that, you know, not, I want to, I don't want to say they went over the top, but I just want to say they were extremely nice and not just them two, but their whole band, you know what I mean? And the, and both bands mesh really well. Everybody got along great. And, you know, at the end of the run, you know, you had that feeling like, man, I wish we had like a couple more weeks left on this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, what I, re- that's what I remember about, you know, Chester and, and the whole Lincoln park experience.
1: Cool. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, one yeah. more, just fan thing I need to ask before we, we talk about everything new with you: How is it with The Simpsons? Because that, I mean, that was one of the, the Simpsons in its prime. It's it, for those that you know, aren't familiar. It's the Homer uh, Palooza episode. The Smashing Pumpkins are yeah. in it. Uh, Peter Frampton is in it. And one of the best scenes: You guys and somebody orders the, the you know an orchestra and like. That one of the simpson characters comes out and like did somebody might have ordered uh, an orchestra maybe wall high cypress hill i'm looking in your direction and you hear a bit yeah. of, of stain in the membrane with the uh the orchestra which sounded great so uh, yeah how did that how did that come about how was that experience
0: well uh you know at that at that point in time we were coming off of our uh of our second album which was a number one album you know globally and and we were getting, you know, a lot of offers, you know, a lot of offers that we turned down, you know, but when the Simpsons came in, I was like, dude, we have to do the Simpsons. This TV's gonna, this TV show is going to last forever. I could already see that, you know what I mean? I hope so. so we went yeah. home, we accepted the, you know, the offer we, we went up in the studios and it was just like a you know, bunch of mics hanging from the ceiling, you know, and uh, there was no, no one else was there. Just the three of us. And they told us, go ahead and read your lines. You know, we did it maybe three or four times. They're like, okay, cool, we got it. Maybe it took like an hour. Okay. And uh and then it came out. And then um, now this is where I noticed the, the the power of television for the first time. I was in a supermarket and I was trying to get like some beer and some meats, you know, some bros coming over you know, throw down and shit. <laughs> and this little kid, it was, his mom walks by me, and he's staring at me. And a couple minutes later, they walk by again, and you know, he's still staring at me. So the third time they see me, the the mom walks up to me and goes, excuse me, sir. Can I ask you something? You know, she goes, can you please do me a favor? And I said, yeah, sure. She goes, uh, can you please tell my son that you're not a Simpsons character? He keeps insisting that you're on the Simpsons. <laughs> and I'm like, lady, I'd love to help you, but he's right. <laughs> you know? So this kid was about maybe six or seven years old at the time. Right. And I noticed right there that that moved, opened us up to a whole younger generation right demographic and everything. And I didn't expect that out of it. And to this day, I still get people telling us my first time I ever saw you guys was on The Simpsons. Wow. You know, oddly enough. And that's their introduction to Cypress Hill. God damn it.
1: (laughs) Your phone. (laughs) It's okay. Oh, we're going to pause and we're going to get them back again. I love it. (laughs) All good. Well, we'll get you Uh, out of here. We'll get you out of here soon because I know you're uh, I think there's
0: someone else trying to interview me right now. (laughs) Uh, So, uh we can leave them hanging for a few
1: yeah I know we were we were running late so but um w- but with that but thank you because I again I was introduced so much with Cypress so just through friends uh, on, on alternative radio through the Simpsons so you're so much a part of the lexicon American pop culture pop culture and I think in general more so than just the the music and the message like you really transcend a lot of different areas so with that here we are 2021. We are finally hitting the road, right, with Cypress Hill and some of your solo stuff. So, can you tell us what's the latest? Which yeah. ones you get busy with?
0: Yeah. Well, first we're gonna we're gonna head off in August and, and and do a little. You know, we're back on tour trial run with uh with Atmosphere and, and DJ Z Trip. Cool. And um, I we I don't think we've toured with Atmosphere before, but Z Trip we have. And you know, I expect I can't a really read the good... back
1: of my shirt. I think wasn't that the other? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> It was Dima and yeah okay wow okay there yeah <laughs> Adema was on that and Z
0: Trip yeah okay and uh, <laughs> so we're back you know many years later touring with Z Trip again this this ought to be cool funny and uh, and then and then we you know next year we'll, we'll have a bunch of stuff we have our new album coming out as well as our documentary um, I think the album's gonna drop in March and then you know the docu movie will be in in uh, April that's the following month. And then we also have a, a bunch of, we have a European tour for Cypress Hill, um, which we're, you know, we're looking forward to doing, you know, getting on some big stages and doing all that thing again. And then um, my other band, Powerflow, we're finishing up an album. And we also have dates in Europe, you know, so we got Hellfest and like grass pop and like some really cool heavy metal looks, you know, so we're, uh, you know, my cu- my work is cut out for me for the next year or so, you know, as soon as soon as soon as it starts up, it's going to be on.
1: Yeah. That's the way it seems to be, but you must be chomping at the bit. I mean, were you bored during the pandemic, but you, or you use that all that time to create everything, you know, create everything. in just once, like you said, it's going to be on. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know what, man? Uh, I actually, uh, this whole downtime, whatever, I actually used it to, you know, uh, stay home and play with my kids and mm. watch them grow and, you know, things like that. And cool. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was hoping it lasts longer, <laughs> but you know, like, you know, we got to get back to work and I get it. So we we'll, you know, we're going to head out there, but you know, to me, this whole thing, you know, aside from being having to stay home all the time and not being able to go places, you know, to me was great. You know, we've been going at it for, you know, 30 years in a row, pretty hard. So, um, a year and a half off, what is that? That's, you know, nothing to us. So, you know, I enjoyed
1: it. <laughs> right on. Honest juice. Well, I know you're, it's going to be on, you're already on, obviously the promotional tour, talking to people. So thank you again so much for your time. I hope we get to do this again. Cause you, you're a legend in the industry and you're, you couldn't be a nicer guy. So thank you for your time.
0: Right on brother. Thank you for yours as well. And, and my bad for the interruptions and people, you know, and this and that, but you know, we got through it. We're good, man. You know, and uh, anytime, anytime, let me know. I'm always ready to talk to you again. You've been in, Incredible
1: host. Thank you. And that's the way I, I do it. Like, yeah, I'm a, I am work in radio. Air quote, but not air quote. I'm usually in a studio at uh, in iHeartRadio in, in, in Tribeca. But, you know, since the pandemic, having to have this weird setup, thankfully, I think my cats are fighting underneath the catch, uh, couch right now. Yeah you know, you make, you make do it's rock and roll. So it's okay.
0: It's rock and roll, brother. That's right, <laughs> man. That's all it is. <laughs> so,
1: oh, and I'll have to ask you about this next time. Uh, this is how I end my episode. That's why I allude to it. Uh, so that does it for this episode of appetite for distortion. When are you going to see the next one next, uh, next interview? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, uh, you'll see it. I don't know if soon as the word. Yeah!